Good to see you all. Um, we are actually carrying into the very end of our series in the book of Ephesians. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, really focusing on verses 13 to 18. So this is the back half of Ephesians 6, which in many Bibles is titled Spiritual Warfare, which I acknowledge with all of you um, that can feel kind of weird. And some of you have never heard that. Others of you have heard it before and teaching that scares you um, or you want to ignore or you don't necessarily like to deal with, but it's a really important section. And in order to get there, uh, two things. One is I want to read the section that Tim taught last week. And then the other thing is something we don't do here very much, but I'm going to use a translation that most of you certainly, you certainly don't have it in hard copy. If you use version, you can get there fast. It's called the Passion Translation. We don't do this very often, but here's why I want to do it today. For those of us who've been around the Bible a lot, this section on the armor of God can have the tendency for you to just read it like, hey, I've heard that since I was a little kid, or I've heard that for years, and you can tend to gloss over. And sometimes these other translations can just jar us enough that we pay attention more. So I'm actually going to teach out of the Passion Translation. Um, it's very accurate uh, to the text with some added words, but that's why we're going to do it. You'll still be able to follow along in your Bible, but the, all the passages will be on the screen. So in order to get there, I'm going to start by reading what was taught last Last week, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. And again, this is the Passion Translation. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be able, so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. That sounds almost like a sci-fi novel to many of us, right? But here's the thing Paul's saying, I'm saving these most important truths for last. God himself is speaking through the apostle Paul saying, this is really important stuff. How many of you guys have ever been misdressed before. Quite a few, pretty much everybody. Misdressed in the sense of you dressed for something warm outside and it was cold. You dressed for cold and it was warm. You dressed for casual and it was formal. You dressed for formal and it was casual. A couple years ago, I had the chance uh, to sit in a consultation with a world leader um, in the midst of it and I was getting ready. It was a formal event, jacket, coat, you know, Jacket is a coat, I guess. Um, coat, tie, nice shirt, nice pants. And all of a sudden, I'm getting ready. I head out to meet with the group, the consultation that's meeting prior to going to meet with the leader. And all of a sudden, someone says, what happened to your pants? What? There is a tear down my pants from like the bottom of my bum to like the backside of my knee. And I thought to myself, I don't have time to go buy a pair of pants 
and I've got these kind of old catcher thighs and I don't shave my legs. So it was not a pretty sight, right? You could, and I'm going, I can't wear this. So they're like, you got to go back fast. You have another pair of pants. I don't have another pair of pants. And I'm thinking, I have a dark denim pair of, wait, jeans that I can wear. So I put on the jeans and I go and everybody's like, oh, it's totally fine. But there's something that happens when you're misdressed. You lose confidence you turn inward, you become radically self-aware, which prohibits you from really building relationships because as you're talking to somebody, you're thinking, they're thinking, you're at this meeting with jeans? Like with jeans, right? It takes away your enjoyment. It leads to all kinds of things that aren't something you would sign up for when you're misdressed. It's the same thing if you're dressed warm, when it's cold, it's uncomfortable, you start thinking about yourself in the midst of it. Here's what Paul's saying. Be dressed for reality. And here's what Paul clearly recognizes, is many of us, if not in fact most of us, aren't dressed for reality because here's the truth in this room. A lot of us don't want to really believe the, Bible, the devil exists. We don't want to believe it. It's kind of fearful. It's kind of weird. Many of us may be smart, intellectual people, and we're like, that's utter foolishness that you would believe in such a thing. Or we've been taught in such a way to say the primary problem is you, your sin, your what the Bible calls flesh. But the reality is the Bible speaks about an unholy trinity. We as Christians believe in the trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Bible teachers have said the Bible teaches an unholy trinity. And the unholy trinity are these, the devil, the world, and the flesh. The devil, the world, and the flesh is I've had a couple moments to teach through the book of Ephesians with you. I've spoken that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is operating from a much thicker and deeper view of sin than most of us are. Most of us view sin as the bad things we're doing that we shouldn't be doing. The Bible includes that. The Bible includes your definition of sin, the bad things you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, but it speaks about sin far deeper and bigger than that. It speaks about it in these dimensions, that there's cosmic sin, which is the devil. Remember we said devil, world, flesh. Societal sin. When you think about society, there's societal sin, which is the world. Individual sin, which is what we think about, the stuff we do, which the Bible calls the flesh. And then there's ecclesial, and that word just means the church. So Paul is teaching here in such a way that we would get clarity. And so I want to slow down for a minute and ensure we have clarity so we understand what Paul's really saying we need to take our stand against by clothing ourselves in this terminology of the whole or full armor of God. So cosmic sin, which is the devil. Cosmic is hard because the Bible speaks about it in two ways. Cosmos means the whole world. So when John says in John 3.16, that verse you see held up at football games, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. World means cosmos. For God so loved the whole world, the things we can see and the things we can say and can't see, everything he created that he sent his son to reconcile and redeem all that he created that he won't lose to the enemy. And for us, when we believe, we experience that salvation. But the other way the Bible speaks about cosmos is this battle. 
what many people in your Bibles title it spiritual warfare. This reality of a battle between good and evil. God and the devil. God and his group of angels and people and the devil and his group of demons and those who follow the ways of the devil, which we'll get into in a minute. But let me just stop real quick and make a very, very important point. Many of us think about the battle between good and evil in such a way that it's like yin and yang, 50-50. It's not 50-50. Do you understand me? The battle's not 50-50. God is, in fact, the creator of the devil and demons. Now, many of you step back and go, whoa, did you just say that? He is. Actually, the devil was an angel named Lucifer who started a coup and some angels went along with him. And when you try to challenge the authority of God, you try to create a coup to beat God, who wins? How many times? Right? He's like, he's not 50 and 5, he's 55 and 0. Those numbers mean nothing. It just means he's undefeated. He doesn't lose. You try to challenge the authority of God, God wins, period. So God casts them out, which is why Jesus in Luke 10 says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And now there's a serpent in the garden. And what's he out to do? But sin from the beginning. To approach us in lies and distortion. And this is why John says in 1 John 3 this, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Book of Genesis means beginnings. The devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Here's the one thing I want you to understand this. There's so much. I know there's questions for many of you about that first verse. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. That just means they're buying into the ways of the devil and going in his stream with his current. Right? And then it says, which leads to destruction. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Here's the truth. The devil really exists. The devil's real. When we don't believe the devil is real, all kinds of bad things happen. C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters, um, which is this group of letters where one kind of demon is writing to his protege demon. And there's this one section in it which you can find very easily. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but basically where this younger demon's going, but shouldn't we want them to know we exist? And he's like, oh, young protege, this is a very, very good question. You want them to know you exist because you want to be seen and powerful. But we are, in fact, way more powerful when they believe we don't exist than when they believe we do exist. So we will quietly influence the world, their flesh, in such a way, and we hope they believe we don't exist. So what Paul's doing is trying to look and go, hey, folks, the Bible really exists I mean, the Bible, I keep saying that. The devil, I should not compare those two, right? The devil really exists. This is very real. That's the cosmic reality of sin. Then there's a societal reality of sin. And let me say this really quick. This is the world. 1 John 5, 19 says this. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Let me stop and just say, how's the whole world under the control of the evil one? 
God created everything in the world. Everything. How much of the world did he create? Everything, all of it, okay? And he created it and said it's good. That's the reality from human beings to companies to corporations to governments. I said it, governments instituted by God, right? All of these things are gifts of God. The minute they turn from their function to serve, every one of them, including the church, and they say, serve me rather than serve you, they become diabolical of the devil operating this in every one of these things social media the arts industry education is communicating in such a way that we have to slow down so that like paul said in romans 12 we aren't conformed into what they're saying the good life is we're not conformed into what they're saying freedom is we're not conformed into what they say to fear we're not conformed into what they say will bring true life but we go what actually brings true life what really brings freedom what actually brings life, that we wouldn't be conformed. We have to know they're promoting narratives that are lies that will lead in the end to our destruction. That's the world. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. Again, let me say it. The devil's real. Individual, the flesh. This is where we appropriate these lies ourselves. Appropriate just means take them on and believe them. The devil's power is the power to deceive you and to get you to do what he's telling you to do rather than what God's telling you to do. The battle of good and evil is always a battle of words. God's words, good words versus bad words that lead to destruction. The power is when we believe those things and put them into practice. That's when these things go bad. And we live in such a world where we're trained from the beginning in a world and in our sinful nature, we have the flesh. When the Bible says flesh, it doesn't mean physical body, okay? It doesn't. It means that which you've trained in your body to operate in the ways of the evil one. This is sin, individual sin. And then the church has sin within it. If you've been in it a long time, can I get an Amen. Amen. That's just reality, okay? That's how Paul's approaching the understandings of the dimensions of sin is cosmic, societal, individual, and ecclesial. Bottom line, the devil is real. Here's how the Bible speaks about the devil. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he will devour. That sounds scary, right? It, it kind of is. Let me just stop for a moment and say this. So, so pay attention to this. He does prowl around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. But I want you to know one thing very clearly. Satan can only do that which, gives, that which God gives him the liberty to do. God is sovereign. He is in control. And hear what I said. God isn't causing the devil to do things. But at times, God will allow the devil and is even now allowing the devil to tempt, to deceive, and to distort, and I would argue fundamentally to create our dependence upon God for that which is true. But here's the other thing. The devil's power is in our, I said this already, the devil's power takes shape and place and gets brought about not on his own, but when you and I are carried away and believe the lies. We're enticed by our own sinful desires. 
but he prowls around like a roaring lion. He's real. Here are the phrases that the Bible uses of the devil. He's an accuser. He's a liar. He's a divider. He's a seeker. He's active. He's out to seek, to kill, and destroy. He's a seeker, he's a killer, and he's a destroyer. Want to sign up to follow him? That sounds fun. I want to be destroyed. So how does it actually take place? We have a phrase that we use in redemption as leaders a lot is that life is naturally supernatural. Meaning the great things that God does, he does in very ordinary ways. He does in real relationships. He does in the midst of real life. That sometimes he works in kind of firecracker fashion, but most of the time it's in the normalness of everyday life. Well, the enemy, the devil, operates in the very same way. He entices us in very normal, everyday ways that we think, oh, that's just normal. I'm just a human. This is just what it is. And he carries you down a path where he will, he's seeking you, where he will kill you and destroy you, where he will deceive you and distort you. He lies to you. And truth be told, no one likes being lied to. Many of us will lie to when we think we'll be freed by lying, but we hate to be lied to. That's the mode he operates in. He's an accuser. So it looks things like this. Gracie, do you really think, do you really think you're a child of God? Jeremy, this darkness will never, ever lift. You're gonna live like this forever. Heather, your kids will always, always be crazy. Your life and home are always going to feel like a war zone. You'll never talk to your dad again. Ever. Let me just give you one short point to ask yourself a question at times. When you're sitting in your car or going to sleep at night or even sitting at your desk at the office and all of a sudden things start communicating to you in the third person, like for me it'd be like, Tyler, you're a failure you got to stop and go, do I speak to myself in the third person very much? Like, Tyler, you are such a clown. Tyler, you're a horrible father. You're an angry man. Which some of those things may have some resonance of truth to them. But when that begins to happen, you have to start asking yourself questions like, really? What is this? But what he wants you to do is don't ask any of those questions. Just take what's said. The darkness will never lift. You'll always live in this fear. You're always going to be anxious like this. Life isn't really worth living. You aren't really a child of God. Did God really say? Remember when he said that in Genesis? He accuses and then he lies, right? You begin to feel those things and you go, well, I know in my loneliness porn, I know there I get a little quick fix. That, that's where I'm going to go. And he's like, dude, that's going to, that's going to be it. That's going to be, you're going to feel a rush. You're going to do it. I can't feel this anxiety anymore. I got to go to the red bottle and pop those, those pills, right? This pain's too big. I'd rather just numb myself out. Yes, he lies. That's where it's going to be. Go for it. That relationship, that person, even though they don't know Christ, don't believe, they tell you they love you, go there, right? But everybody, all the wise counsel in my life saying that's foolish, just push the Amazon button one more time. You get that, everything's going to change, right? It, you may say, oh, I never say everything's going to change. It'll just make it a little bit easier. I'll really get what I really want. He lies. He divides. 
he divides. I'll never talk to them again. He's like, don't ever talk to them again. If you talk to them, you're going to be wounded and hurt. Don't cross that line. Don't cross that line, right? And it leads, right? In addictions, however you want to answer the question, in division, it leads to what he wants. He's out to seek, to kill, and to destroy. Let me say this to you as well. If you don't believe the devil's real, not just in your head, but actually believe the devil is real, you will turn people into the devil, I want to slow down. Listen to me in this. If you don't believe the Bible is real, you will turn people into the devil. And many times you'll turn yourself into the devil. You'll begin to flog yourself. I'm the problem. I'm this. I'm that. Right? There needs to be a healthy self-evaluation of your own sin and what you contribute to the problem. That's true. But God's desire is to bring about and fully bring out the image of God to you, to conform you into the image of Christ. You're not the devil. You're not the foundational problem. The lies he's spitting to you are, which is why we want to live in truth, or you'll turn other people into the devil. And how does that go? How does that go? Congress, right? When we turn other people into the devil. You want to live by that reality? You're the devil, you're the problem, you're this, you're that, and then they think you're the problem, you're this and you're that. Just wait to see where that leads. It leads to chaos that we can see now, but you want to know where this continues to devolve and lead to ultimately? Folks, don't be surprised. And I'm not being dramatic here. This leads to fundamentally, we will do away with you. If we do away with you, then it comes about. Folks, focus on what the problem really is. That this is real. So let me say this, Paul's whole desire is to help us take a stand against the devil and his schemes of accusing and lying and dividing and seeking and killing and destroying. But you cannot resist the devil with facts alone. You gotta have them, we gotta acknowledge it, but the facts are there to conjure a feeling within all of us. Here's the feeling Paul wants you to have towards the devil. Hate him. Resist the devil. Flee from him. Take your stand against him in the strength of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. If you try to resist the devil in your own strength, you will, in your own strength, you will lose. You will get your tush handed to you. I promise you that. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The emotion that we need is a feeling of hate. I hate this, of how he's against me, how he's against my family, how he's against my kid, how he's against our society, how he's against the world, how he's against our country. I hate this, and I hate him. The only power against the enemy is truth, and truth is Jesus. So we're going to stop and get really practical here in this section of 13 through 18. He says, put on the complete whole armor of God. Remember, this translation that we're in is the Passion Translation. So let's go through this, verse 13. He says this, because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so that you are protected as you confront the slanderer. I love that. That's the devil. For you are destined for all things and you will rise victorious. You see right there, he's acknowledging the devil, but he's saying this isn't yin and yang. It's not 50-50. God wins. 
If you're on God's side, you will rise victorious. But now look, verse 14. Put on truth is a belt to strengthen you. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you. The belt that's like at the core of our being is truth that strengthens us to stand in triumph. In an arm of the belt's kind of holding it all together and it's truth. What is truth? Remember Pilate asked that, what is truth? Well, Jesus said, he, he, Jesus Christ himself, the person, is truth. Remember that phrase? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, the reality of all realities, but through me. Jesus is truth. So we're putting on Christ at our very core. Every time I say core, I think I need to do sit-ups. I'm weak. I just had a muscle tear and I had to get a hernia surgery. And they're like, you had an old man hernia surgery. Like, your muscles are weak. That's a problem. But the core strength is Christ. What else did Christ say about truth? He said, what is it that will actually change us and purify us? Sanctify us is the word. Cleanse us. He says, sanctify them in truth, Father. Your word is truth. Wrap around your waist Christ, which you can't do without the truth of God's word. And then what does he say about the truth? The truth will set you free. So what does it mean to put on a belt of truth in the minute of accusations? Folks, many of us live day in and day out under lies that create anxiety, that create debilitating fear, that create depression. We have to slow down long enough to go, is this true? And that's where we go, am I speaking in the third person? Here's a better one. Would God say this to me? You're a fool? No way. Even in the midst of all of our sin, he's like the prodigal, the father to the prodigal son running after. He wouldn't say, you fool. He wouldn't say it's never going to end. He's a God of hope. We've got to stop at that moment and go, what is true? And don't be conformed into the way of the world that's propagating fear at every level. For the love of God, perfect love casts out fear. But we've got to slow down long enough to even say simple truth that we know. Not deep-ridden theological truth, just truth. God's in control because God's God. God's sovereign over the place I'm in right now. God's here. Put on truth as a belt around your waist. And then he says this, put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. The word holiness in other translations is righteousness or justice. The word means integrity. And here's what he's saying, because many of you are scared. He's just saying create congruence. That which you say with your mouth and you want with your heart, begin to try to live into. This is where it gets active. Sometimes we're reminding ourselves, but now he's saying put feet to the truth you've been telling yourself. Do it. Don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. That's what righteousness and holiness means. You can go back to 14. Righteousness and holy means, it means congruence. It means get active, do these things, but realize in the end, when you go, but I'm not holy, but I'm not righteous. He's saying, remember the belt of truth. We're righteous in Christ. We're holy in him because he's holy. But we have to pursue that congruently to be that. So he's going, that which you know now, which you're telling yourself, live into it. If God's in control, I get out of my house even though I'm scared and I walk believing God's in control. If God said to me, 
I'm supposed to talk to those people and not ignore them. He means go talk to them. That is this idea of put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Then he moves on into verse 15 and he says, stand on your feet alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. This is this idea of putting on shoes that come from the gospel of peace, that you're ready to speak it. But realize this, folks, the gospel is a gospel of peace, not of division. The gospel is a gospel of reconciliation. The gospel is a gospel that turns the hearts of parents back to their children and children to their parents. I had a friend that talked about this belt of truth and he said the belt of truth is not to take off and spank people with. The belt of truth is to help you keep your pants on. (laughs) Right? That's the idea of what's going on. Stand in your feet. The gospel is a gospel of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. God is seeking to bring peace where there is chaos. Then he moves on in verse 16 and he says, in every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield. For it, faith, is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. The evil one wants to sow seeds of doubt. He wants to rob you of faith, which is the gift of God. We read earlier in Ephesians. He wants to rob you of that. And he says, faith. I believe, guys, even if faith at that moment, you go, I don't even know what faith looked like. It's like this. It's like a shield that just goes, I believe in God. Jesus is Lord. Like if that's all you know, I just, I believe in God. I trust God. I don't know. And you're falling on your face and you're under an absolute assault and you're going, God help. That's maybe the deepest prayer of faith you could possibly pray. Help. Why are you calling to God for help? Because you in faith believe he can. Right? Faith. Tom Skinner, whom I absolutely love, says this. I spent a long time trying to come to grips with my doubts. And suddenly I realized that I had better come to grips with what I believe. I have since moved from the agony of questions that I cannot answer to the reality of answers that I cannot escape, and it is a great relief. Leave that on the screen, but you guys look at me for a minute. There's a band called Switchfoot that has a line in a song that says, doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. Here's what Tom Skinner's saying. He was living in a world that was highly complex, very challenging, He wasn't getting the results he wanted. And he said, I have all kinds of doubts and there's all these questions I'm trying to answer. And I sit on my own and I try to answer them and I can't answer them. And it's creating chaos in my soul, confusion in my mind. And he said, finally, God said, why don't you just begin to not live in the agony of the questions you can't answer, but live in the reality of the answers you cannot escape. God's real. Jesus is Lord that you can't, none of you can escape. This is why the psalmist says, listen, the reality of answers you can't escape are the ones that are so dumb obvious, stupid obvious, that are around us all the time that leads the psalmist to say, only the fool says in their heart there is no God. And he said, when I began to live in the simplicity of the answers I cannot escape, what I believe, there was a great, great, great relief to me. Amen? Sit in the answers we cannot escape. And then here's what I'd say. Doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs, but ask for faith. Faith is a gift of God. Ask for faith. He then says this. 
the helmet of salvation, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. That if sin is cosmic, societal, individual, and in the church, salvation wins cosmically. God defeats the devil. He destroys the work of the devil by his work on the cross and bringing it to completion when he returns again. That's fact. Salvation's full deliverance is society will be restored and redeemed. That God will return and claim the land which he created and is his. He does save sinners situationally and ultimately salvifically. Today is the day of salvation. This is what Paul said, Christ died to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. And he ultimately restores and establishes the church. The helmet of salvation means God can help. Put it on. Recognize it. Realize it. He will deliver. I, first song I ever learned, or I shouldn't say first song, one of the first songs I ever learned was a song that sang through Rome, the end of Romans 8. And it says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither death, nor me on my deathbed or when I die. Neither death nor life. The scary parts of angels and demons, neither angels nor demons. What I'm dealing with in the present or my fear of the future, neither present nor future, nor any powers. Neither height nor depth, nor anything in creation. Will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love triumphs because of Christ. Amen? And then he says, take up the sword of the Spirit. Folks, I, which is the word of God, the Bible has power, real power, because it's the words of the only true and real God. The Bible has power because it's God's word from God's heart. So if you go, I haven't been engaged in the Bible... The devil will try to say, in your shame, stay away from the Bible. Go to the Bible. The little bit, little bit. Then do a little bit more. Then do a little bit more. The word of God brings life. And then he ends by saying this, pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray passionately in the spirit. Pray the blessings of God upon all believers. I'm not going to say anything about this. We're going to pray. I'm going to invite the band up right now and listen because I don't want any of you confused, okay? Let me start by saying this. Prayer in a church is not weird, okay? If unbelieving people walked in here right now into a church, they wouldn't find it weird that we prayed, even at times that weren't transition times. They wouldn't find that weird. They'd go, I kind of expected to find prayer in a church. (laughs) It seems like oftentimes Christians are the ones who think it's weird, So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. We're going to pray just in in obedience to this. This is the way congruently we're going to try to live into what we say we believe. He tells us to pray fervently in spirit. I'm going to ask you to join with a group of people, three to four around you, and start praying. Now listen, if that freaks you out, I give you permission. Put your head down and just pray. You may even go, right now, Lord, help me because this gives me social anxiety and this is weird. That's fine. He'll help you. You can pray that way. If you don't want to pray in your group, you can just be silent, but gather with people. But we are going to pray together. As that's going and as the band's praying, we're going to have some people up here to pray with you. If you are in a dark area, 
right? If you're anxious like crazy, if you're dealing with a situation in your family, if you're physically dealing with an ailment, we'd love you to come forward. You can step up and go, hey, I love you guys, pray for me, but I'm going up for prayer, right? And just walk the aisles, move by people, so be very normal, come up and we're gonna pray in the midst of this time. The other way is we're gonna sing in a minute, and these songs are songs of prayer. So we got multiple forms of prayer going at one time. You're praying in groups, some of you are gonna get out and pray up here, and um, it's gonna come to a point of singing, that's good, okay? We're just doing what the Bible tells us to do. And if it tells us to pray, the best way to apply it is to what? Pray. So that's what we're gonna do. Let me pray. Father, we ask right now in the midst of this that lies would be exposed, the lies of the devil, that divisions would be healed, that people would pursue one another in this very room. God, I pray that bodies would be healed and that people would be saved. Today is the day of salvation. I'm gonna say this to God, but say it to all of you. If there are any of you in this room that are stirred to believe, maybe for the very first time, come up. We'd love to pray with you uh, to trust Christ. God, be with us now in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.